Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. This morning, I'm going to speak to you about when trouble knocks at your door. Now, I want to tell you, I kind of argued with the Lord about what I was going to talk about because, you know, Hilton Sutton has been here. And I said, now, Lord, I could just talk about six red flags in the life of the believer, getting ready for the end. You know, we talk about those churches uh, uh, in the book of Revelation. I could really zero in on that. But, you know, I knew in my heart that that was what I was not supposed to do at this time. Those would be good messages, and, and we need to hear them. But God spoke to my heart, and so I'm following the Holy Spirit this morning. When trouble knocks at your door. You know, the Bible talks about an evil day. When an evil day comes, you put on the armor so that you can stand. And really, when the evil day comes, standing is standing your ground. You know what? Standing your ground. That's, it, it talks about that in Ephesians 6. I think it's around verse number 13 or around in there. He says, when the evil day comes, that you'll be able to stand your ground. Now, standing your ground is taking your position that God has given you as a believer in Jesus Christ and taking that authority that he has given you and being able to stand and not be knocked over, not be run over, but be able to stand your ground when the evil day comes. Now, somebody said, well, I, I, you know, the evil day's not coming my way. Well, you know, I would like to say that the evil day is not coming your way either. But as sure as you're sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, you know that evil days come to everybody that lives upon the face of this earth. There's no doubt about it. Trouble comes. Trouble comes to us. It comes knocking at our door. And we have to make a decision. How are we going to respond? How are we going to react when the evil day comes? Now... When trouble or distress comes our way, we can do this. We can ask ourselves, how will we respond? How will we react to the trouble, the distress that comes to us? What will we say? What's going to come out of our mouth? What's going to come bubbling up out of us? And sometimes it may even surprise us what does come out. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And you'll turn around and say, where did that come from? And you see, that can be either of God or not of God. What do I mean by that? That can be, it can be just a bunch of cursings and different things. And you stand back and say, my God, where did that come from? Or it can be the word of God that just comes bubbling up out of your spirit. And you may say the same thing. Where did that come from? But I'll tell you where it comes from. What you put in is what's coming out. Now, if we spend our weeks and our days and our hours and we're pumping into our lives and our minds and our spirits everything that is worldly, everything that takes care of the flesh and takes care of all of our needs, you know, just takes care of everything. You know, our clothes, our hair, you know, our tan. And all of that, whatever it can be. It can be just lots of other things. You know, what are we going to eat? All of those things have their place. But I'm going to tell you, you have to make time for the Lord in your life. 
When trouble comes knocking at your door, you want to make sure that what comes up out of you is of the Lord because that is where the strength is. That's where the two-edged sword is that's going to cut down the enemy that is coming against you. Amen? Okay? So we'll, what will we say when trouble or distress comes knocking at our door? Then we have to ask ourselves, will we get bitter or will we get better? You see, you have to ask yourself when trouble comes knocking, will you get bitter? What do I mean bitter? Will you get bitter at God because God allowed this to come upon you? You see what we don't understand? I used to, I, I remember when my father passed away. He was, he was a good man. He was a preacher, a pastor, loved his family, loved his kids, took care of us, ministered and loved people, loved the Lord with all of his heart, but he passed away. And you know what I did? I got bitter when that trouble came into my life. I got bitter. I got bitter at every one and anyone and everything that represented God. I can remember that. But you know what I remember too? I remember the night that I gave that over to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm not going to be bitter anymore. And I remember I went down to an altar like this. I knelt down and I said, God, please get this bitterness out of me and help me to where I can get through this time. Because I didn't understand. You see, sometimes when we don't understand, we can get bitter. But if we'll allow, we get bitter at God, we get bitter at people. It was their fault, it was their fault, his fault, her fault. And we want to blame everybody and get bitter. But if you want to get trouble away from you and away from your door, then you've got to handle the trouble the right way. And not get mad at everybody and everything in God, because I'm going to tell you, God is the one who's going to help you through the process of getting through the trouble. You say, but you don't know. No, I don't. But God does. And he loves you. And he will help you. And I've had my share of trouble. Everyone in this room has had their share of trouble. But I've got a victory report this morning. We overcome. We prevail by the blood of the Lamb. And I tell you what, many times you don't feel like it, but you do it by faith. Faith is an act. You act and then guess what? The feelings will come along. Circumstances will come along. But it takes faith in a time of trouble to receive the help and strength that you need. Will we get stronger or will we grow weaker? I can tell you in time of trouble, at the very moment, you might get weak. But I'm going to tell you, God can use it to make you stronger. Because why? When we are weak, He is strong. And see, we need to allow His strength to flow through our life. That is so important. Not damn it up, not cut it off, but allow that strength to flow to us. Will we give up? Will we quit? See, I've seen people when times of trouble come, they quit serving God. They quit coming to church. They quit reading their Bible. They quit praying and just give up. But you know what? 
the child of God, the covenant child of God, God wants us to fight. He doesn't want us to give up, to lose heart, to faint, and to give up. He wants us to keep on. Keep on serving him. Keep on loving people. Keep on helping people. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You remember the story of Job? And Job went through so much trouble and distress. You read it and you can't believe that any one person could suffer so much. And maybe you know someone who's gone through so many things and you wonder. They've suffered so much. They've, they've had so much trouble and so much distress. But I want to tell you, when it came down to the end of that book, God said, when Job prayed for his friends, in other words, when he turned his eyes off of his own trouble, off of his own distress and his own situation, then God delivered him out of his problems. Well, okay, if the Bible means what it says and if we can get clues through the Scripture and if we can get understanding and we can live our life practically through the Word of God, then we can understand. When we give our life into helping other people, whether it be prayer or uh, outward actions, whatever it is, when we give ourselves to our friends and our loved ones and people around us, then God will turn that captivity. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe it's like a law. I believe it just happens. I believe you do the right thing, and the right thing is coming back. His captivity, his being held in the prison where trouble and anguish and stress and distress were all around him was turned when he prayed for his friends. So we can get a clue there. When we're in a time of trouble, we need to fight. And one of the ways of fighting is not just for our own self, but ministering out, ministering out, ministering out of our hearts, ministering out. Now, I want to tell you something. You remember what has happened to me, my family. And I, I don't want to talk a lot about it, but I'm going to tell you. We knew we had to fight back. And you know how we fought back. You, if you were here, you saw how we fought back. We came into this place, and we couldn't hardly hold our head up. We felt like laying down, covering ourselves up, and dying. And some of you may be here today. You may be in that situation. But we fought back. We didn't have much strength to do it. We didn't have much energy to do it, but what we had... We used it. We loved people. We prayed for people. We ministered to people. And God began to bring healing and strength. Can I say that it's, that it's complete? No, I cannot. And do you know, and, and honestly, and you may think it's a bad confession, but I don't know that until I go to heaven, if it ever will be. I don't know if it ever will be. But I know this. I can, I can hold my head up now. I can function now. And I didn't think I was going to be able to. I didn't think it. But God is faithful. And I'm here as a testimony this morning to tell you God is faithful. So you can make a determination. Are you going to give up or are you going to fight? And if you fight, there's a way to fight. Amen. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Luke 21. 
Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Now I want you to look at this word distress. He said, upon the earth, there's going to be signs. This is talking about the end times, right before Jesus comes back to the earth. There's going to be outward signs. Folks, we're in the middle of that right now. I don't know if you know that, but we're in the middle of it right now. I believe that we're in the last of the last days. And he's saying that there is going to be upon this earth distress. Now, that word distress means anguish and trouble. There's going to be anguish and trouble upon the earth. And listen, it says within the nations. It's not just in America. You know, we can look and see, well, it's just in America because we've forgotten God. The world has forgotten God. <clears throat> so it's in all the nations. It's not just here. But he says there's going to be distress in the nations, and it's going to be with perplexity. Do you know what the word perplexity means? It means no solutions, no way out, no answers. Now, that sounds hopeless, doesn't it? But you see, God did not leave the children of God hopeless. We are covenant children. That's what the world has to look forward to. And that's what a believer that doesn't know their covenant with God even, that it will encroach upon their lives. But I'm here, I want to preach to you this morning and tell you when trouble comes knocking at your door, God has a way for you to gain the strength, the ability, the help, the power, the authority to overcome in that situation. Now, you see, trouble is coming. The evil day is coming. And people will be crushed and literally killed and never able to come back. But God, for his covenant children, will make a way for us to come back. And I tell you what, when we come back, look out, devil, because we're not coming back as a weakling. We come back strengthened by the power of God. Now, I'm preaching to you this morning. Some of you, you need to hear what I'm saying. Okay, so it, it means there's no answers and no solutions for the trouble and the anguish that are coming upon the earth for people, just normal people. And then the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, it says perilous times will come upon the face of the earth. What's a perilous time? It's a dangerous time. It's a time where fierceness is released upon the earth, earth, stress, trouble, if you will. Perilous times are going to be upon the face of the earth. It says, in the last days. And if you look that up, it really means the last of the last days. And see, that's where I believe that we are right now. And it says, dangerous, troublesome. Times are coming upon the earth, and there's no doubt about it. That's where we are. But then, if you look at Isaiah 60, you turn over there, and you, you can see that the Bible says in verse number 1, Arise and shine, for the light has come. Now, it tells us over there in verses 1 and 2 that there's going to be darkness on the face of the earth. It, doesn't that sound like what we just read in these two scriptures in Luke 
and Timothy about the perilous times and the trouble that's coming upon the earth all over the nations with no solutions and no answers. It says there's going to be darkness on the earth and gross darkness upon the people. There's going to be a heavy cloud and weight on the earth that comes down to depress and oppress the people. But what did he say in the middle of that? Arise and shine, for your light has come. Now, what does he mean by that? I'm going to tell you what he means. It took me a a good while being a Christian to figure this out. I would hear, the darkness is coming, the trouble is coming, the end times. And then I would hear, yes, but there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great light that arises in the nation. And people are going to be in the nations. And people are going to be born again and come to God. And it's just going to astound everybody. I heard both of those stories. But you know what? Both of them are true. And Isaiah 60, verse number 1 and 2 tells us there. It's a parallel. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be danger. There's going to be anguish. There's going to be distress upon the earth in all the nations. It's, it's here. It's coming. And it's probably not mo- it's, it's going to get worse. Now, you say, well, that scares me. Well, we need to be afraid. Because if we get the fear of God in us, we'll live right. Okay? And so that's here. But at the same time, God says, I'm going to lift up a standard against the enemy. And you know who is his standard? The standard is not going to be a flag. The standard is going to be his people. It's going to be you. If you're a born-again child of God, it's going to be me. It's going to be all of his children. We're going to lift up a standard, and we're going to hold up the light of the glorious gospel. We're going to be the people, the covenant children of God that come out of trouble, come out of distress. We are going to be that, folks, the covenant children of God. How will we we respond when trouble comes knocking? I want you to turn with me to Exodus, verse number 11, or chapter 11, verse number 7. I want you to see this with your own Bibles. Exodus 11, 7. But against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. Now that's descriptive, isn't it? Against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, I want us to look at that for a minute. Now, here we're talking about perilous times coming on the earth. And we're talking about the danger and, and, and the anguish and distress and everything that's going to be taking place upon the earth. But then we see in the middle of that, God is going to have a people that rise up and they are a victorious people. They are triumphant over the devil and over the schemes and over the trouble and over the distress that he brings to them. They're going to rise up victoriously and they're going to shine so that others will see. All right? And he says, but against the children of Israel. Who was the children of Israel? Who were they? They were God's covenant children. Now we have been brought into the family and we are God's covenant children. If we have accepted Jesus Christ 
If we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, if we have been forgiven for our sin, and we are living for the Lord, we are the covenant children now. And he said, but against those covenant children, a dog is not even going to move his mouth against them. (coughs) And he said, I'm doing this that you may know how that the Lord does put a difference. What is a difference? It's a separation. In other words, the children of, of Egypt... They were there in that land. That's where the, uh, God's people, the Israelites, were. They were in Egypt. And here was Egypt, and here was Israel, and there was a distinct difference. I remember when God spoke to me years ago, and he said, I'm going to show you of all the similarities of the body of Christ and how that they relate back to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And see, I believe this is one of those things. God separates out, just like he did that day. What did he do? He said that in Egypt, there was darkness. But in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel lived, guess what? They had light. When all the animals were dying and the plagues were coming upon Egypt, what about the covenant children of God? Now, I want us to look at what the Amplified says. It says here that God made a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Well, we could put that in there today. When trouble and distress and all of that comes, we get delivered out of that all. We get delivered out of it when it comes knocking at our door and tries to attack. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the devil. The devil has been stripped of his authority. Now, we shout hallelujah. We got the authority, but how many of us are living in the authority? We got more people shouting about it than living for living in, as an example of that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus came back to this earth to buy our authority, to purchase our authority. The first Adam, what did he do? He gave it away. In the garden, he gave the authority that God gave him away. And that's when the curse came. So the last Adam, Jesus Christ, had to come back to the earth to purchase our freedom and our authority back. See, God wants us as his children not walking around weak and acting like we're underprivileged. Because he gave us privilege by putting us in his family and giving us a position in the kingdom of God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we know that Adam had authority. The Bible says in Genesis, subdue the earth. Take authority is really what he's saying. Take your authority over everything on the earth. I've given it to man. My man, Adam, has it. But God's man, Adam, gave it away through the tempter, through the deceiver. And so Jesus had to come into the earth to buy back our freedom, our liberty, and give us back the authority. See, we are actually to live God's authority and enforce it in the earth. 
You see, Jesus said before he ascended into heaven in the last chapter in the book of Matthew, he said, all power has been given unto me. You remember that? Go ye therefore into all the world. What was he saying? Really that word power, a better word, a better interpretation would have been authority. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me. Now I want to tell you something. The devil doesn't have the power and authority. God has the power and authority. Now the devil can try to use power against us. And if we don't stand in our authority, he can run over us. He really can. But you see, Jesus said, all power, all authority has been given to me. Now, I'm going to go to heaven and you go into the earth. Do you think he told us to go into the earth and not equip us to go into the earth to do what we needed to do? No. He equipped us. He said, you go and you cast out the devil where you find him. You don't go looking for devils, but where you find them, you take authority over them. You go into the earth and enforce my authority. You see, that's why prayer is so important to, in the body of Christ because prayer is an enforcement of God's power. The Bible says in, in the book of James 5 that prayer makes tremendous power available. You see, we go in the authority and we release his power. Adam sold out. Jesus came to the earth, and he got back. He won back the authority. And now it's up to us. And you see, some people do silly things, and we hear, you know, maybe even messages that just sound, I don't know, there's just something about it that is frivolous or, or something. But what I'm saying to you this morning is not frivolous. It is to tell you that God has given the church authority. We have authority in the earth. And God releases power and healing and ministry into the world through his children. But he said, I make a difference in my children and the people that are in the world. The people that are in the world, they get, you know, the trouble, the anguish, the distress, and all that comes. But they don't have a promise of deliverance. But we do. Amen? And so God says he makes a distinction. He makes a distinction. You remember uh, in the Bible, you know, where it, where it talks about over there, Daniel. It said he was more excellent than all the fellas that were there in the place where he was. He was more excellent. That means that he stood out. There was a difference in him and all the other people. And I'm telling you, a child of God who knows their covenant, who is in relationship and fellowship with the Lord, there's a difference. You stand out. You're not like everyone else in the crowd. You say, well, is God a respecter of persons? He respects his word. He respects that. He respects people standing on their covenant, that's what he respects. And it doesn't matter who it is. If they'll come to the Lord and do it his way, Amen. they'll see that there is a difference made. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as a covenant child of God, 
and one who believes what the Bible says and not only believes it but acts on it, then we can understand that in a time of trouble, God will be there for us. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about when I started studying about this, I found so many scriptures in the Bible about trouble and distress. It was amazing. I really, I was surprised that there were so many in there, but you do a study and you'll see that too. But listen to what God says about trouble. He says to call on him in the day of trouble. When you get in trouble on that day, call upon the Lord. Call on Him. What does calling on the Lord mean? That means praying. That means seeking the Lord before you seek anything else. You may need assistance. You may need, uh, you know, someone to guide you. You may need a, a counselor. You may need a lawyer, if you will. You may need whatever. But He says, in your day of trouble, call on me. And see, some, sometimes what we do is a last resort, you know, then we go to God. But I tell you, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble if we call on Him first in our day of trouble. Uh, and it also says, He is our refuge in a time of trouble. What is a refuge? A refuge is a place where you can hide out. A refuge is a place where you can get away from, you know, all the, the pressure and stress and the trouble that's stirring and moving around you. In a day of trouble, He will be our refuge. He'll be the place where we can run. Have you, have you ever, you know, when you were a child, you know, been afraid of something? And, and what would you do? You, you would run into the room and you would run to your mom or dad because you knew that they'd protect you, right, as a child? Well, see, God says, run to your heavenly Father in your day of trouble and I'll hide you. I'll keep you. Amen? And it also says that the Lord will deliver you in trouble. What is deliver? It means to rescue, to redeem, to get you out of what you were in. He'll bring you out. He'll deliver you. See, isn't that what God did to the children of Israel? He got them out of Egypt's bondage. He got them out of the trouble. He'll bring you out. Now, that'd be a good song. He'll bring you out. It also says that he's a very present help in a time of trouble. He's a helper to you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He's the one who comes alongside of you to assist you, to be your advocate, to be your lawyer. It's the Holy Spirit. Then in the book of Proverbs, it says the just comes out of trouble. The just comes out of trouble. The Bible says that the just comes out of trouble. In other words, we're not steeped in the trouble, boiling in the trouble, unable to get out of the trouble. He says that we're going to be delivered out of the trouble. You see, folks, if you're in trouble right now, no matter what it may be, it may be a troubling relationship. It may be a, a troubling divorce. It may be troubling in your finances. It may, may be troubling in that your kids are giving you a problem. It may be troubling in that your job is not going the way you want it to go. It may be troubling in that you're struggling with a sin. 
God said, I will deliver you out of that trouble. Hmm. And then as I was reading uh, about trouble, I, I read over in 2 Corinthians, over in, in I, th- I think it's the first few chapters there, and it talked about how that we are to comfort people when they are in trouble. In other words, what does that, we need to be sensitized as God's children when other people around us are in trouble that we need to, bring, we need to be the comfort that the Holy Spirit wants to give to them. We can do that. Comfort with the same comfort you've been comforted with. Okay, so God gives us all those words about trouble. Why does he give them to us? Because he wants to prepare us. And he wants us to know that trouble comes knocking at everybody's door. The evil day comes. The distress of nations. The perilous times. But God says, I make a difference in you and those without a covenant. Amen? Now I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. No, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. Now, let's look at this. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Well, you could say trouble is despairing too. Distress, despair. You could say that. For he said, now look, we would not have you to be ignorant of our trouble. Now, I remember the first time I saw and and studied and, and, and just dissected this scripture. And really, in the Greek, what that means is this. It means to take a man to tie him up where he can't move, lay him on his back, and put a huge boulder upon his chest. That's really literally what that's talking about there. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about where we have been. We've had trouble. We've had pressure. We've had hardship. And it's been so heavy on us, we despaired even unto our own lives. And that's the way trouble is sometimes. It's like it comes on us, and it is so heavy, and the pressure is so great. And Paul said, I'm not different than any other man. What about Jesus? You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, my goodness. Such pressure, such stress really upon his physical. See, Jesus had a physical body. He had emotions. And sometimes we think about Jesus and we don't think about that. We don't think about what he went through. We just think, oh, well, you know, it was a nice clean cut, you know, go to the cross, get nailed to the cross. Think about that. Think about it if it were your son. It'd be horrible. But God had to sacrifice Jesus for all of us. But you see, in Jesus, it, was, it, it got so heavy upon him that he began to sweat great drops of blood before he ever went to Calvary because he knew what was ahead. 
And you see, Paul said, it was so heavy on me, it was just like a big boulder had been placed upon my chest, and I couldn't move, I couldn't function. But look what he says. But we had the sentence or the verdict of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. When you get in a time of trouble, you don't trust in yourself. You trust in God. Because if you trust in yourself, you're already at the end of your rope. You can't do anything about it. But he said, but we'll trust in God who raises the dead. He said, if this thing gets me to the point of where it kills me, God's going to raise me up because he's not finished with me yet. He's not through with me yet. I've got more to do. And then if you flip on over here to uh, chapter number 4 and read in verse number 8, now look at this. We are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Now, if you, you first read that, you may not quite understand what he's saying here. But I want to tell you, in the Phillips translation, it says, we may be knocked down, but we are never knocked out. Have you ever been knocked down before? I have been knocked down. You may feel like and somebody's standing over you saying, one, two. But I tell you, before the end of that count, if you trust in God, if you trust him to deliver you out of that trouble, you're going to get up. You get knocked down, but you are never knocked out. Now, we need to remember that. Now, also what it means out of the Living Bible, we get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Now, you see, people look, at children of God, at Christians. They look at us, and they can't figure us out a lot of times because they see similar things that go on in someone else's life. They could even be a Christian, but they're not trusting the Lord and walking in the Word of God, and they get knocked down, and they never recover and never get back up. But God said, we, Paul said, we get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep on going. Well, you see, you don't know who is watching you. You don't know who is observing what you're going through in your time of trouble. And you can inspire people to say, look, God helped them to overcome. And if he helped them, he'll help me too. I want to tell you this morning, God has not left you in your time of trouble. He's not forsaken you, but he is there. And he said, you call on me. I'll deliver you in your time of trouble. I'll give you a place to hide out until you get the strength that you need to be able to carry on and to function the way that you need to. God loves you so much, and he's made a way for you. When trouble comes knocking at your door, that you can have a way to know what is yours as a covenant child of God and what you don't have to lay down and be, uh, be the devil's doormat because God makes a difference in you as a covenant child of God that stands on their covenant, that speaks the word of God, that believes the word of God. He makes an, a distinguishing difference between you and people without a covenant. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.